Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. We are talking. No. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I don't know. Go for it solo. (laughs) (laughs) By all means. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs me? Um, Hi, Sean. (laughs) Hi. We are talking. And just like that, episode 10. Not the end. We've got a two-parter here. We've got a little movie going on. Mm-hmm. Is this, is this in some ways the third Sex in the City movie? No, the no. pilot episode of And Just Like That was the most, from our understanding, following plot points that were going to happen in the third movie. Okay, Although, so it's the fourth movie. Are do you they ready do, for do this? they do a lot of part two parters in the Sex in the City world? No, uh, the series finale was a two parter. I believe that was the only technical two-parter. However, there is a four-parter in season three that is, it's not called part one, part two, part three, part four, but it is like a four, it's like a very story in four arcs. That is my favorite arc of the entire series that I might've just posted about on my Instagram. So they've done episodes that carry over. And then also like you remember your... The one of the five episodes you've seen that includes the politician that wants to pee on her, John Slattery, mm-hmm. uh, that is a two-parter. He oh. he appears in the episode before that as well. Okay, okay. But only, Love to your that. question, only one instance of there being a technical part one, part two. Okay, well, here we have another one. The Last Supper, part one, appetizer. That's a mouthful. And just like that, episode 10, The Last Supper... Part one, colon, appetizer. Yeah. <sighs> and what an appetizer it was. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you had a big reaction I gotta say, to this I episode. am going in, I am going into this recording having only watched it once, regrettably, Ooh. but I feel, I at least feel like I've, I listened to the the Writer's Room podcast. I feel a little bit more centered than had I just, you know, watched it once and hit record. Can't wait to hear the insights from the Writer's Room. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which of these things happened to a writer? Well. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, what have we got here? Should we start from the beginning? Yeah, but should we start with what we liked, what what we liked? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I like that why Why don't you start it? Yeah, what did I like? Uh, oh, well, I think the standout scene for me was Carrie and Anthony talking uh, about their dear Shinto monk friend. I thought that was a very poignant scene because you could feel yeah, it, right? Because okay. I, what I understand from what you've told me is that um, the actor, please tell me his name. Willie Garson? Yes, that he died after filming original like the first season right so this it felt like a permanent no during filming the first season yes yes after filming yeah. some of the first season yeah, yeah. oh sorry sorry Mr. Yeah. yes uh and it felt like this was a permanent goodbye both for the character and the actor like i really felt it from carrie it made me emotional yes 
Yes, um, that two is my high. I'm gonna addendum, I'm not trying to lead with a negative before a positive, but just sort of like a question I had. Um, I felt like we said goodbye to Stanford permanently last season when he left and moved to Japan. So for us, 10 episodes into season two, seemingly out of nowhere to do what I see people referring to as like the send off of Stanford feels a little bit like erasing the send off that we had a season ago. Mm. But I recognize that if this is the penultimate time that we will ever see these characters, I understand the desire to, you know, properly say goodbye to a character like Stanford who was here from season one, episode one of the original. What they did with Stanford, we'll get to later, but focusing on (laughs) the positives, yes, I thought this was an incredibly poignant scene. I really liked the way SJ and Mario Cantone both played it, and there was something about the cosmos being ready and on the table and how much Carrie had like prepared the conversation, her not doing it over the phone, which the show has a tendency to do, it being done at the empty apartment. And there was the way when she winked at Anthony, um, that felt really comforting. That was sort of like, mm-hmm. she she will be there for him. I, I, I will always have trouble with the fact that Anthony and Stanford were romantic. Um, I think I told you, Sean, and for people that don't know, they started off on the show as enemies because Stanford was Carrie's gay bestie and Anthony was Charlotte's. And then they sort of had like a truce in later seasons, like sort of accepted one another and then kissed in the first movie at a New Year's party and then get married in the opening of the second movie. Liza oh. Minnelli officiates their wedding. Oh. Um, so everything as just Liza moved Minnelli at a very or strange as pace. As Liza Minnelli. And then she sings Beyonce single ladies. Oh my God. So take that all in. Um, but yeah, I thought it was it was like just a really moving moment and something about hearing Canny Carrie. Carrie say the word Stanny. I was mixing up Carrie and Stanny. Hearing Carrie in 2023, I mean I could get emotional talking about it. Hearing Candy hearing Carrie <laughs> in 2023 saying the word Stanny, um, it was it was really, really affecting. Do you want to do something you didn't love? We haven't really been doing that. Yeah, let's. Um something that I didn't love was feeling like throughout this entire episode, Carrie was basically a receptacle to other people's storylines. So I felt like when it came to the comedy show where Miranda, which had, you know, the moment of the episode, which again, we'll get to, I felt like Carrie was just sort of there to be like the friend making facial responses and like not sure what to do, like, you know? And then in the opening scene with Steve, I felt like that scene was all about sort of like putting a pin in Steve's plot on this show and Carrie was just kind of like there to be there. And then all of this stuff with Lizette was basically Carrie being there so that we understood that Lizette was going to get the apartment. And then at the end with everything with Aiden and his Nicole Kidman and rabbit hole um, car crying (laughs) moment, that again was Carrie just sort of like reacting to Aiden. Mm. And so 
what I one of my favorite qualities of Carrie's on Sex and the City in particular was how reactive Carrie was to people. And I felt like in this episode, Carrie wasn't really giving anything to anyone. And again, I'm saying Carrie and not SJ, because I think SJ always rises above the material. But yeah, I just wanted like some perspective on Carrie. I just feel like she was like kind of like down for whatever in every scene and every, you know, bit of dialogue. And I was like, I need a little bit more fire in Ms. Bradshaw. Mm. What about for you? I, I don't know that there was something in particular I didn't like. Uh, I mean, that's that's a very insightful one. I wouldn't have come up with that on in my own dumb brain. But I would say that just once again, I'm feeling like Lisa and I are really shoehorned in here. Uh, Lisa has you know, something interesting and devastating going on in her life with this unwanted pregnancy and then how that ends is sort of ambiguous. Um, and, and yet I, I just felt like they were like, okay, we've got like 90 seconds to shoehorn this in here. Um, and so we're, we're giving Lisa something to work with and yet it feels really rushed. And then once again, Naya is just like relegated to her apartment. Like she's, she is not out and about. Yes. So uh, while I didn't feel like we were like wasting time with those characters, as I felt like we have in the past, uh, we're just really continuing to shoehorn them in with a lot of really interesting stuff going on with the other characters, including Che, who is a new character. Yes. And and on the Lisa front, it, it continues to sort of boggle me like, yeah, to your point, where she fits in with all of this, but like the... They seem particularly dedicated to the character of Lisa in ways that I don't think with Naya, I feel like they don't make as much of an effort. With Lisa, I feel like they they want her on the show. Nicole Ari Parker is fantastic. We've said that before. But like it reminded me of the Miranda alcoholism plotline from story one, excuse me, from season one that got like dropped so quickly, where it's like we have this moment. I think it was the episode before that we learned that she's pregnant, right? Yeah. Okay, so like we have this moment which seemingly drops this bomb that is going to very much affect everything ahead for this character. And then in true and just like that fashion, the next episode they're kind of just like, well, never mind. Or even thinking about like Miranda moving to Los Angeles. And then all of a sudden she like gets a call from Brady and Brady's like, mom, my girlfriend broke up with me, I'm suicidal. And so Miranda's now back in New York and living <laughs> with Naya in the broom closet. So it's just one of those things where it's like they build this thing up and then they knock it down so quickly so then nothing really has gravity as a result mm -hmm. because you're never really sure where you're going with things um or even thinking about like miranda who like the breakup with che how like the next episode miranda's going on a date with that the the, the kitty litter woman which on the one hand is great right like that we weren't wallowing in miranda's grief but at the same time her marriage just imploded and the relationship that she left her marriage for also imploded. I at least feel like if she's going to be like moving on, there needs to be an acknowledgement of like, she's moving on as a remedy to not deal with the feelings that these two traumas have brought on. Instead, it's just sort of like, oh yeah, Miranda's dating. And then we, the audience are like so excited to see Miranda dating that we're like, yeah, sure. But I do feel like nothing really has much consequence. Even in this episode, it's like Naya's heartbroken last episode to find out that her former husband of like decades, at least a decade plus, is now 
not only in a new relationship, but with child. Um, and her instinct is like, I'm going to go find the most expensive uh, gift to give them on the registry, which would you believe is a something that happened to one of the writers. Um, I just didn't understand that <laughs> as like a vehicle of plot for Naya. And I understand that right. she had that scene with Miranda and it created this interesting tension of, you know, the inciting incident of for Miranda essentially, right? To like give her that sort of push as to like, here I'm holding a mirror up to who you really are. But did that need to be Naya? I feel like that could have been any character, especially yeah. Carrie or Charlotte, who really know Miranda. Right, right. Yeah, I hear that. Okay, well, let's start at the beginning <laughs> because uh, we do have a lot to get through here because Carrie is making her first trip ever to Coney Island. Wow. An untapped filming location for Sex in the City for decades. Yes. So why do you think we found our way to, to uh, Coney Island? Well, <laughs> uh, is there a reason we should have found our way to Coney Island? So David Eigenberg, who plays Steve, originally, I, or from what I gather, not yeah, from what I heard on the Writers Room podcast, had messaged MPK and was like, you know, I never want to give ideas about where the show should go, but he sort of mentioned the fact that he and his father had always gone to Coney Island, and MPK had been wanting to find some sort of button for Steve, as I mentioned, and then SJ came to MPK and was like, am I gonna get another scene with Steve? Because I guess SJ really likes working with David Eigenberg, and so that's how this all came to be. Mm. Well, it is nice to see a location. <laughs> And if Sex in the City is a love letter to New York in some ways, which I feel it is, we've got to show Coney Island, right? Like, let's explore New York. Yeah. I mean, as, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a subset of New Yorker where, like, Coney Island's a big part of their New York. And I think it's a great, like, filming location. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Have you gone to I Coney guess- Island? I have been to Coney Island, yes. I've done the polar bear plunge in Coney Island, in fact, on New Year's Day. Oh. Yeah. I guess one thing, this is like such a like a little detail, but like, because Aiden, okay, this is the question we haven't addressed. Does Aiden still own part of Scout? And if so, wouldn't Steve be like, hey, I'm gonna open a second location for Scout in Coney Island? Or even if this is a whole new establishment, couldn't it make sense that like Aiden would be in it with him and this would be like another thing tethering Aiden to New York? And I just gotta say, I'm on a roll here, am I? Um, Steve and Aiden were like besties in season four of this original series. This was such an anticlimactic reunion of these like two like titans, but not only that, the two most beloved men of the Sex and the City universe, all the other men are sort of like, you either ship them or you hate them. Like they're very, most, I mean, I get to some people, Aiden is very polarizing, but I think that's more like when viewing him on the big or Aiden continuum. But like Aiden and Steve are like the guys and here they are together for the first time in what? Uh, Since in, in over 20 years, 2002 would have been the last time they were on screen together. Like, let's take a moment. Well, I thought that's why they were going to Coney Island. I was like, because I've heard all this stuff about, you're telling me that there's a scene filmed in the bar with the two of them and with Carrie, right? Like, is that not what we believed we knew from paparazzi photos or whatever it was? 
we had seen them all walking on the boardwalk of Coney Island. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So that's the scene. Yeah. Okay, so I thought, though, either way, that the reason they were going out there was because Aiden was in on this venture and that, like, uh-huh. they were going to see it, whether it was just financially or whatever, like, maybe just, a, like, a little arm's length. But that doesn't seem to be the case. And they just made a, what I imagine is, like, not a short trip, but, like, a long trip out to Coney Island and uh, just to look at the bar in the morning, like at least go in the afternoon or something when it's bumping. Like it didn't right. look great. Right. Yeah. Although and, and, was it morning? I mean, Carrie had a beer. Maybe it was just the weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also am like, what does Aiden do? You know, like he sold the furniture company to West Elm. So are him and Carrie just like a, a spe- essentially like young retirees? Like they're ladies of leisure. Yeah, like what do these people do all day? Like I just do not understand. I know, and Aiden strikes me as a real kind of like. Okay, I, I understand he sold, he sold this furniture company to West Elm, which I am never going to remember while, when I'm watching the show. I only remember as it's See, coming out. And of I'm mouth. only going to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think he would have, like, more of a say in the decorating of the new house. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Carrie seems to have taken that on. I loved the rug, by the way, in the living room. Um, but... I thought it was a little oversized. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little big. It was yeah. a little big. It, it either needs to be smaller the or the entire, like... <laughs> 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 I liked I liked the design on it. Uh-huh. Uh, but you would think he would be more involved in that. But also, he just strikes me as such a sort of, like, blue-collar guy that I can't imagine, even if he did sell a furniture company to West Elm, that he's not doing anything. I imagine right. he would have like some hobby or side hustle, or like if he had some passion for building and furniture, I don't think that just evaporates when West Elm buys your company. Absolutely. He would surely keep that up. And sorry, but like just real quick, it's really hard even weeks later to wrap my head around the fact that Carrie bought this apartment and gave up her other apartment because this man was mm-hmm. unable to set foot in her home. And there was no sort of like, I understand night one when they're coming back from the restaurant, him being weary about it and being like, let's go to a hotel. Then we have to go through like this whole Airbnb Che Michigas plot line over several episodes. And now here we are with this house and it's like, if I were Carrie, there'd be a little resentment that I might have about the fact that I am not only shelling out millions of dollars for a four bedroom. I don't, what does she do? She, those bedrooms are for those boys. Those bedrooms are Aiden's bedrooms. Well, there's a Giving up her old apartment for less than market value. It's just, it's, it's perplexing. Yeah. I have a question. Do you think that Steve will be at the dinner next week? I'm pretty sure it's, that was goodbye, Steve. And it's just Che and Miranda. I thought that the insinuation was that Steve will be at the dinner because didn't Carrie say something to Miranda when she phoned and it was like, uh, you know, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. And Carrie was like, well, it's not just about Che. It's also about Steve Mm -hmm. or something like that. So the implication to me was that Steve will be at the dinner, but we got a shot of the dinner in the preview, but I didn't Mm -hmm. see whether Steve was there or not. We'll have to screenshot and post. I also am just perplexed. Her reason for not having the dinner at the new apartment was fear of like people bumping up against the walls. But it's like, <laughs> that's pretty avoidable. Um, and also, like, I understand that fear. 
I don't, when you think about the size of Carrie's apartment, her, her old apartment, and trying to squeeze 14 people for the, but that's just the guests, right? Because then you have the Michelin chef. I'm assuming there's at least a Sue. Like, that's a lot of people in Carrie's very tiny apartment. We have never seen more than four people in Carrie's apartment. Wow. So. Well, it's time for a big send-off. I mean, like, I, I, I get the I get the idea, not just as a goodbye to the apartment, but also just like, what do I care if we fuck up this apartment? It's Lisette's problem now. She got it for a bargain. Oof. She can take some scuffs on the wall. Get a magic eraser. She drives me crazy. <laughs> Lisette? <laughs> yes. Or Carrie. <laughs> I've had enough. Yeah. No, never Carrie. Uh, what about Lisette just sort of like walking around the apartment trying to claim things? I really liked Seema in that moment because it felt partially in the writing, but partially just Sarita just being like, I don't like this bitch. Like, I'm Carrie's girl. Who are you coming in here? I There was a little bit of like uh, a pissing contest that I enjoyed. Actually, yeah. really just a pissing contest with just Seema. I'm not sure Lisette knows what's going on. Uh, can we talk about... Charlotte, because I thought that Charlotte had a really fun week. Not only was she selling art to the Sam Smith, who was there playing Sam Smith, but she mm-hmm. did actually sell the art and then she got to go have a girls' night with her co-workers who have a tradition, a ritual of taking someone out if they sell art over $100,000. And she sort of has this moment that I think I've been waiting for. I, I, I don't know that I could have like put my finger on it, but I've been waiting for Charlotte to sort of be like, hang on, I'm not just a mom. I'm not just a mom and I'm not even just a cool mom. I am like a person outside of being a mom and I'm going to make space for myself. And I thought that when she, I mean, like throwing the phone into the pitcher of margaritas was one thing, but I thought that when she came home and sort of like yelled at them all saying like, I was a person before you, I really liked that. I think that that was like very affecting for me. How did you feel about Charlotte yes, this week? I liked it too. And I definitely thought it was like a fun place to go with Charlotte and definitely more fun than like the weed uh, mm-hmm. stroke like moment from earlier. My one feeling is that like, when we were first presented with the Charlotte going back to work plot and she gave that speech to the kids and Harry, the idea was that like everyone is way okay with this and kind of feels like mom is overbearing and they're like more than happy to have her out of the house. So then all of a sudden we get this complete shift, which is that everyone is over-reliant on her and is like, mom, why are you working so much? Which is diametrically opposed to how this plot line was presented. So that's where I have a little bit of issue. Also in thinking that like, if you were Lily or Rock's age and mom gets a job, that would be like a good thing. Like if mom's out of the house, I don't think that at, I think the kids are like 15 and 17, whatever. Like, I don't think you'd be like texting mom at all hours. And I think that you have enough comprehension, even if you do need her to recognize that like she has a job. My only note, I don't mean to be Evan the rewriter, I do feel like it needed to be kicked up a notch. I do feel like it needed to start with like Charlotte going out for drinks and then them offering her Coke. Or like, I think it needed to be (laughs) a little bit like she goes to have like her idea of a wild night out, which is some drinks with the girls. And it turns out like, they're 20 something art girlies. And so like they have some new designer drug or like, I think it needed some other level that like kicked it up from just like Charlotte did a shot. She's drunk because 
I do feel like we hit that beat a little bit with when she was high several episodes ago. Yeah, or it could have been, I, I mean, I could understand them not introducing designer drugs to Charlotte, but if if we wanted to go down that route, then maybe Charlotte gets hit on by like a hot guy. And it's like, she doesn't have to like totally indulge it, but it's going to give her a little pep in her step and be like, hang on a second, there's a whole world out here. But at the end of the day, I'm going back to my family. But like, hey, here I was, I thought I was obese two episodes ago. And I'm like having the time of my life Uh getting hit on by a guy. That would be fun. But also like, what if she kissed a guy? Like, I just feel like this was a show that used to really go there. Like, they did some crazy ass shit. So the idea that like, where we're at now is like, Charlotte does a shot, throws her phone in like a blender. Um, (laughs) While I appreciate it, it's like, I do think like we can go a step further. Uh, Yeah, I hear you. But you know what, like with the material we were given, I enjoyed it. Yeah, completely. It's been worse. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, let's talk about maybe Miranda, because I've got something to say. I mean, there's a lot of Miranda content here. But before we dive into all of the Che and Steve stuff and sort of like Miranda's having the mirror held up to her, like you said, Miranda's at work. And I got this is this is maybe a, a Canadian American thing. But the boss is back from maternity leave after five weeks and it's like that was enough five weeks that's psychotic i mean like Crazy. i know that america the the shouldn't allow country that. that doesn't have like you know re- mandatory maternity leave but like maternity leave is a year long it's also the human rights watch which is like where they're working <laughs> yes like yes, of all yes, places yes. i feel like yes. they would be particularly <laughs> mindful of maternity leave <laughs> i never like, thought of that But also just, I mean, yes, that was weird. But also, again, with like the whiplash of the timeline of this show, it's like we literally leave off and she's like packing her final bag, like about to go into labor. And then next episode, it's just like, oh, like baby's at home. I'm I'm sick of them. And it's like, wait a minute. (laughs) And no follow of the other interns who know Miranda. They're just like accepting Miranda as their boss. No, like I I can see that after five weeks, they've accepted Miranda as their boss. And maybe they even respect her or like her. But we needed a stepping stone to get there. Absolutely. But they don't care about this story. So maybe we shouldn't either. No, they don't (laughs) think that they do. But this assignment that she has to go to the UN for what was it a BBC thing? I, I like the the fact. I don't that, even like, know what she does. I, I, a stenographer to the lead. I, 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 it's hard. It's really hard to say, and it's just so hard to understand. What does Miranda want? And I'm and when I say want, I mean I mean specifically from the career perspective. Uh, Harvard graduate, thirty plus years in her field, gave it all up. Or also then, when he, when we met her, it was back in school at Columbia to further her education. Great, great, great. And then here we are now where she's interning at the Human Rights Watch. Yeah. But then also interning, but then can't afford to live in a home. Yeah. So wouldn't that be all the more reason why she should have a job? But then also, like, wouldn't she have a savings from her 30 plus? Uh, the questions pile up. Or she could sell some of her wardrobe. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, The UN, another location Carrie hasn't been to in New York. Evan, have you been to the UN? I have been to the UN. I've been to the UN too. Um, Not my favorite part of town. Boring. Yeah. 
I actually used to, when I lived in the East Village, I would run every morning. I would typically run down Manhattan, but occasionally if I was feeling like, you know, I needed a change of pace, I would turn left at the water and run up and I would run literally through the UN sometimes. It didn't really factor into my thought pattern at all. This is the first time I've thought about it, but um, glad I did it. But you never went inside the UN? I have been inside the UN. Okay. I have, okay. yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A school You, trip? I'm assuming, have been inside. Inside, otherwise I wouldn't have asked, yeah. Ah, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> inside only once, outside quite frequently. Okay, yeah. We all have to have that moment where we pretend we're uh, Nicole Kidman and the interpreter. Yes, the second Nicole Kidman mention of this episode. Yes. I was going to say, do you know who else has been inside the UN? Who? Miranda. (laughs) (laughs) She has. And I think she had a little crush here developing. Uh, I thought we were going to get another date, but we didn't have time this time. Maybe part two. I also like part two. Had a little bit of hope for like a split second that Miranda was going to like get back with Steve in this episode. But then I was like, I'm crazy. That's not happening. Yeah. I have to say about this. Uh, so again, I don't know who they were bringing. Like, am I crazy for saying BBC? Weren't they not bringing somebody from the BBC to the UN? Oh, and that, why would they be that, doing that? Yeah, I need Or to maybe know. I misheard BBC and it's like another acronym I should know. But why the human right? I don't know. Anyways, wasn't paying it total attention to the story. But when Miranda is left to entertain this woman for five seconds as her boss runs off to do whatever she needs to do, there was a line reading that Cynthia Nixon gave where she's talking. She, uh, I think the woman like needs to paint her house or she's painting her apartment or something like that. And Miranda's like, oh, well, I can't help. Very sloppy painter. It was Valerie Cherish. It was 100% Valerie Cherish line reading. Very sloppy painter. Wow. Look for it on the second watch. I almost okay, texted I you during it, but I was like, he's going to watch it again. Yeah. He's going to say the same thing. It's identical. It is literally, if you squint, because Miranda has that red hair, it's Valerie Cherish. Wow. I love that pickup. Huh. Uh, okay. Well, do we want to talk about Miranda and Shay? Yes, we have to. And I got to say, because there's this fabulous meme going around right now. I'm sure you've seen it because I've been reposting a ton where (laughs) it's a meme format rather (laughs) (laughs) where people will say they'll like quote one of the Sex and the City characters, typically Miranda, complaining about something and then it just says Carrie colon and then instead of having her respond, it's a photo of Chad Michaels, Mm -hmm. uh, the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars season one. Um, But I bring this up just to say that one of the things that has been pointed out through seeing all of these memes is just how much Miranda has been put through it this season in big ways and small. I mean, obviously, we mentioned the Steve and Chase stuff, but even thinking about the shit she had to deal with with the interns or uh, what she dealt with on the beach when she was (laughs) lost her cell phone, was it abandoned on the beach in Los Angeles or thinking about the attempted threesome with Lyle earlier this season or thinking about her in the sensory deprivation tank, or thinking of her getting in the way during the comedy show in Los Angeles. There's just so many instances of like Miranda, you know, Pratt falling essentially. And so it was so validating in this moment to finally, and then on, and then in this episode, obviously she's at the comedy show, Che is eviscerating her. Oh my God, I couldn't believe Che brought up her son. I was like, that is a boundary cross if I've ever heard one. And then for Miranda to get 
fucking mad and deliver that line. Do you know the line I'm talking about? Mm, not off the top of my head. Hold on, I'm I've got it as I've got it memed up. Um oh, Che's excuse is I'm a stand-up, that's what I do. And Miranda turns around with the fire that only Cynthia Nixon can put behind those eyes and says, then where were all the jokes about what a fucking mess you are? And I rose out of my seat. <laughs> like, I was like, this is Miranda. And what's funny is, I thought we were going to get that moment in the fight with Steve earlier this season, mm. because I was like, he's gonna be the one that tips her over and ignites that fury in her, but it was this, and it was well worth the wait. Some set for Che to deliver. Oh. With pen, ink, all down their arm, having just written the jokes, <laughs> just, just wrote the jokes, Stands up there and delivers this set to Miranda. Also, I loved Carrie sinking further and further into her seat through the entire set, being like, oh, isn't this great? Like, Miranda's finally, like, turned a new leaf. She's going to support her ex, her exes, and I'm a part of it. And, like, wow, was she eating crow in that moment. I, yeah, you, it's funny. I'm going to post a meme that's sort of like four shots of them sitting and watching the show. And obviously, like, the eye is going to go to Miranda's reaction journey. But to your point, Carrie's reaction journey throughout is really great because it's a bit of Carrie being like, here I was thinking my friend needs to, like, you know, be an adult and be able to be in the same room with their ex, who's also my friend. And so I love that moment of Carrie just being like, but the 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 weird thing because i'm typically not one to ding carrie's behavior in the way others do i do think it's wild jumping ahead when carrie's on the phone with miranda and is like you need to come to this dinner and it's like (laughs) carrie you witnessed what happened it's not as though miranda called her and is like i went to this comedy show and che included me in their set where carrie could be like oh it's not that bad it's like carrie you were there you witnessed the assassination of miranda hobbs and then she's just like it's my dinner like you gotta come i'm like che should be uninvited from that yes yes And I think that would be completely reasonable because Carrie can be like, look, I brought Miranda as a goodwill gesture. All of this was supposed to be happy-go-lucky. Yep. You got up and did this set. I understand you're a comedian, but I'm sorry. Miranda's my old friend and it's going to be uncomfortable for her. And so I'm I'm really sorry. We can get burgers another time, but this time maybe don't come to the dinner. I think that's a completely reasonable thing to say. And why would Che want to go to the dinner? Exactly. Why would Che want to go to the dinner? And not for nothing, I felt like Carrie should have followed Miranda out of the club. Uh, I felt like it was a little bit like, again, you're, it's not hearsay. You're witnessing this happening to your friend. Your friend is so upset that she has to walk out of the show. I think you go and follow them outside. But it's not every day Carrie gets to sit for hours on end listening to NB comedy. It's true. And so you don't give that up so easily. You know what I really Can, liked going yeah. in was that Aiden, the, this point about Aiden not wanting to sit at the front. I really liked that. That really resonated with me because I feel like that's something everybody kind of like thinks going into these like small venues, whether it be comedy or drag or even like a play or performance. Nobody wants to sit at the front. It's uncomfortable. But nobody oh really God, has that conversation. 
I agree with you. It's one of my, like, it's an irrationally large fear. Yeah, me too. That I have. The thought of being seen and, like, called out in that sort of setting and then not knowing. And then also if they start asking you, like, questions, like, oh, are you here with your part? It's like, oh, my God, leave me alone. It's such And then I'm making up lies because, like, why? And then I'm trying to keep up with the lies. Yeah, it's like, don't put me through it. I'm red in the face. Now... I do think it's like, can we talk for a moment? Because I think that we've touched down on several instances of the clunky nature with which this show handles non-binary identity. Uh-huh. For instance, we mentioned it in the episode when Aiden and Carrie are walking to Che's apartment and Aiden has that joke about uh, they, them pronouns mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, Aiden's lack of understanding. And I had mentioned in that episode how great it would have been if Carrie's like, Che uses they, them, and then Aiden, like, and then we, like, move on. Yeah. And so this episode, I feel like, from the moment, the the bizarre moment with the doctor at the vet who misgenders Che, and then, or not misgenders them, uses the wrong pronouns, rather, and then you have this moment afterwards with, what's the name of the kitty person? Do you remember? Uh, Toby. Then we have this moment... With Toby, oh, Toby, oh, no, Toby, Toby yeah. That, yeah, yeah, where Toby yeah, yeah. like comes outside and like has to say like identifies as NB, which for people that don't know just stands for non-binary, and then like is like, are you okay with that title? And then Shay's like, yeah, it's like, just like what like is that necessary? I feel like this is not. I mean, again, and I'm saying this as a cis man, so who am I to say the way in which non-binary people talk? But as someone in the world (laughs) that, like, lives, I just don't think people, like, go around having these sorts of, like, conversations. It just seems so rudimentary and strange how much this show, rather than just have non-binary people on it, has to make that they are non-binary. We're at a non-binary comedy night. It's just, instead of it's just being like, non-binary comedians go and and perform at comedy nights because they're comedians. Mm -hmm. It's just, everything is so underlined. Yeah, I did think, uh, first of all, I, I kind of like don't mind the introduction of this character, Toby. And I like that there's sort of something where Che can explore something that's maybe a little bit more safe in their world. But to your point, I felt like I don't believe, and again, I don't know, I'm a cis man, but like, I don't believe that two non-binary people are like tiptoeing around their language with each other. I feel yes. like if anything, if if Toby refers to Che as NB, Che could just be like, oh, don't do that. Like, please. Like, they, they can be a little bit more no-nonsense of a yes. conversation than like tiptoeing around and being like, okay, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Um, yeah, I didn't really buy that. It, it definitely feels like something for the cis straight audience of and just like that as like a learning moment and it does take you out of the story a little bit absolutely i also just am not sure how the writers want us to feel about che because i feel like this episode really underlines something that a lot of people have been thinking for some time which is that like che is an awful human being mm-hmm. like the the fact that they would perform this set And then in that follow-up moment with Miranda, justify it all by being like, I'm a comedian, that's what I do. And then when Miranda leaves, Che 
turns around, sees Toby, is like, I'm going to go home. And then Toby's like, can I walk with you? The insinuation being like that Toby and, and Che are going to go home together. And it's like, again, how do like are the writers okay with the fact that like this scene makes Che look like a terrible human being from start to finish, especially when the fact that they just did something incredibly hurtful to one of the most beloved characters on this show and then are not being remorseful about it. Like that's not gonna go over well for the fandom. You know what else is crazy? It's like, it's one thing to perform this without knowing that Miranda's there, but you know that Carrie is there, Miranda's best friend. And like, I thought like maybe at the start, like the first couple jokes were like, oh, that's okay. But then it got like really dark. And you know, I mean, like, I don't think Che really scanned the room, but they know that Carrie is there. That's awkward. And the thing about it that was like tough and like, I guess, like, I'm not saying this is unrealistic, but it's like, Miranda was so good to Che in that, like those final moments with the two of them. When Che was having the breakdown over their career, Miranda was incredibly supportive. And when Che was like, I need space, Miranda was like, then space you'll have. Like Miranda was so, and then also like when it came to like attempting the threesome, Miranda was like, okay, I'll try this. Like Miranda, yes, and throughout that entire relationship, So the fact that Che would have this much to say, it almost made me want to be like, Miranda, go get on the mic yourself and start listing off all the bullshit that this person has put you through. Yeah. Hey, that would be great. That'd be great. (laughs) Imagine imagine Miranda crashed the trans and non-binary comedy party to do her own set. I would just And then was like applauded as one of the great comedians of our age. And then had like a career identity crisis and dropped everything and started to be joy- started to be a comedian. Yes, just we're rewriting <laughs> season three. <sighs> okay, should we touch down on Anthony and Giuseppe? I'm scared. I mean, I don't have anything to say really, except that I, I, we've said it all. We've said it all. This story is dumb and doesn't make sense. But I wanted to touch down on this comment that Anthony made because I don't the know how true stuff. it is. <laughs> the man-woman stuff, but more so that gay men of my generation have more defined roles. Is that true? It is not Like, that hasn't been true. my experience with older men. Yes, I also feel like there's a lot more fluidity. I don't think there's such a generational divide, particularly with gay men, because I feel like gay men, I'm making a generalization here, but sleep with men of all different ages quite often. Like young people sleep with old people all the time. As Anthony is with Giuseppe. Yes. I I don't know if anything, I would like, I feel like the older generation is more sexually liberated because they were used to more in-person encounters in a way that we're sort of desensitized because so much is like on Grindr, like being like, Sup. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, again, I, and this might have been discussed in the writer's podcast. I did like sort of doze off. Um, I'm, I have to believe this is true to someone in the writer's room, ex- is someone in the writer's room's experience. And I believe there's only one cis gay man in the writer's room. So, ding, ding, ding. Um, I'm not sure, <laughs> but, but, um, I'm not sure if this happened to him, but this feels very much like an experience of one of the writers brought in here, I just, not only do I not think there are the defined roles, but then that the defined roles are like of the man and woman, 
I have uh-huh. never heard that, let alone had that no. be like the In norm. fact, you hear pushback on that from, yes. from gay men of every generation. Yes. Especially so, the older generation. They don't like the man-woman thing. I think I just like have such a hard time with this show introducing someone like Giuseppe several episodes ago as like a joke. Like he was literally found in a poetry shop and brought onto the show as a means for Anthony to be able to have a hot guest with him on the Drew Barrymore show because all of his other workers had been fired because they were shooting up human growth hormone. Like that is the basis with which we brought this character in. And then, and then, yeah. and then, just an episode ago, they were gonna break up because we had this like, uh, you know, Mary Tyler Moore show plot of like, is he only needing a green card? And then here we are, an episode <laughs> later, and it's like, no, the plot is like Giuseppe is in love with him and wants to flip fuck. And, and also, by the way, last episode Anthony wasn't fucking at all; yeah. he was suddenly yeah. asexual. But now in this episode, oh no, we're fucking, we're we're fucking. But now the issue is like what roles we're playing. And I don't know if you saw the scenes for next week, this plot point will carry over into the next episode. I did see the scenes for next week, but I think I ignored the Anthony thing. Yeah, I get it. No, there's something with Harry and Charlotte and Anthony next week with this. So this is strange, especially considering I feel like Sex and the City was so masterful about its presentation of gay men in the early seasons, like some of the Stanford plot lines, particularly, this is for the, the Sex and the City fans, particularly everything with Big Tool for You and Stanford in the chat rooms, Stanford going home with that guy with the doll collection, Stanford, yeah, th- there's just so much about Sex and the City that did it's such a, or, or when Stanford started to get jealous because Carrie was hanging out with Murray Bartlett's character and Stanford was like, oh, Carrie has a new gay friend. This show is like good at depicting queerness. So the fact that again, going back to like this or all the clunkiness of the non-binary stuff, it's odd that a show that was so smooth before can be this rough. Speaking of one scene wonders and bottoming, Sima is also bottoming in this episode. It's not just Giuseppe because Sima is getting absolutely slammed by Ravi and apparently tells him that she loves him after three and a half weeks. We get a little timeline drop here. It's been three and a half weeks. Uh, And the Sema of the umbrella scene outside the hair salon is long gone. That Sema of don't tell me this is ever going to happen for me because it's not going to happen for me. Well, it happened. Book the Hamptons (laughs) house again. But if it's three and a half weeks, doesn't that not line up with how long Miranda's boss, the maternity leave? <gasps> well, no, because no, because I think there's an episode in between that. Because I think the maternity leave happened okay. two episodes ago, and then the uh-huh. Ravi date happened last episode, right? Okay, got it. Would it's be interesting insane. to create the timeline, though. Yeah, would it? And line um, it up with the It's weather. insane that we're led to believe, especially as you point out, considering the iconic umbrella conversation, that like this is where we net out with Sema. I feel like this is like not that the show has an obligation to present any type of human being, but like this is a really, in my opinion, sad place to land for Sema. 
considering how empowering that moment was several episodes ago when it was like, I am not going to make a choice for you that is ultimately going to make me unhappy and acknowledging the fact that like, I might not find love and like that has to be okay. And then for her to meet a guy who again, an episode earlier, she wasn't even sure if she was into him, let alone in love. And then here we are with her like blurting out, I love you. I feel like if anything, it needed him saying, I love you and her saying I love you too in response as sort of just like a right. instinctual response. Yes, yes, that yes. would have worked for me. But again, it's just sort of like, this is so counterintuitive to the person, to literally the person that we know, but also to what the person that we know said several episodes ago. Yeah, I have nothing more to say about Seema. Well, I guess my question is, it's like, are we, so, okay, so here's the question. Like, uh-huh. if next episode is the series finale, which, by the way, I want to say, we are getting language that says season finale, uh-huh. and, but I do think we will wrap, I, I don't know. We'll get to, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Anyway, if, ne- so if, 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 where we're netting out with everyone, so we're not, LTW is not going to have a pregnancy plot in season three. Is like, is Seema going to end this season and or this show with Ravi having like is, is this is this her happily ever after? But the the whole introduction of this story is that this man's presence in New York is temporary, right? Mm-hmm. So this always felt like a summer fling or a spring fling, I guess, in this case, that it was going to be limited. And I just like is Seema the woman that this guy is going to drop everything for? Uh, like, uh, I'm going to have a, a like a bi-coastal relationship or something because he doesn't live in New York, uh, whether he's in L.A. or London or wherever he's from. I don't know. But like, is he really? I don't. <laughs> I mean, we all know how I feel about Seema. I just I just don't see that she has the winning personality to sort of like drop it all for yeah, it's 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 curious. So, you, is he going to be at the dinner next week? Like, I should hope not. Well, there may be a couple extra spots though. And you know what kills me about this dinner? It's like this was in a perfect world. This was the scene for Samantha. It's like she's at the dinner, totally. and it's like totally. there's a knock at the door. Okay, before we get to Samantha, let's just run over the Carrie and Aiden stuff from this episode and let's it, because there's a lot to cover. Wyatt is, like, the star of season two. I don't mean that in a, like, I'm happy about it way, but, like, we thought we were just getting a single Wyatt FaceTime, but, like, this is the Wyatt show. Yeah. There's some stuff that I'm not clear on in terms of the timeline and the placement of where everything Mm -hmm. happened here. Uh, Like, I need a map because originally when, so when Aiden gets the call that Wyatt's in the hospital from Kathy... Uh, and as that, as they're discussing sort of like the mistakes that have been made in their relationships in the past, right? And and uh, Aiden trying to lock Carrie into a marriage, lock Carrie into a lease, et cetera, et cetera. All these mistakes. Kathy phones and has got, you know, one more hiccup to give this relationship, which is that Wyatt is in the hospital because he took Aiden's truck was drunk and crashed it into a tree and he's 14 years old so he shouldn't even be driving so carrie asks what was your truck doing at kathy's 
So that was the first thing that I thought like, whoa, 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 there's more going on back home. Like Aiden isn't totally ready to drop his family life. Carrie seems to have an understanding that the truck should be at the farm, but it's actually at Kathy's. But then I was, then all of that got confused because it was like, he's saying like, oh, well, he left to go to the farm, but did, did the truck get taken at the, like, he surely didn't walk all the way to the farm. Like, I think I missed something there. So was the truck at Kathy's or was it not? Uh, Because that seemed Mm -hmm. like a really important thing when Carrie said it. And then it kind of didn't seem as important later on. Do we know? That is. Keep an eye on that. I don't know. Yeah, but I am curious. Uh, And so, you know, he goes home and he has this realization that like Wyatt needs him in his life. And although it's been made clear that he will have a country life and a city life. Uh, maybe that's not enough. And so did Carrie just drop a whole whack of money on a new big empty house that she will be sharing with a cat? Most curious. Okay, so I've pulled up the dinner and I'm seeing one, okay. two, three, <laughs> four, five. I see 11 guests visible in the preview. I have LTW, Herbert, Lissette, Harry Charlotte on the left. Then I've got Giuseppe, Anthony, Jackie, Smoke, and Che on the right. Carrie at the head of the table, which means three seats are left. So I'm going to imagine Seema is here, Naya, and then I don't know the other one. Also Toussaint, the gentleman from episode two or one that Naya meets at the bar, the souffle guy. He is in the preview. Yeah, he's probably the chef. Wow. Maybe. He's in the hallway. Is he a chef? Hi. Have we met? That's just, have we met? This looks like, this look, yes, 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 yes. He, Naya walks in, Naya and Miranda arrive at Carrie's for the dinner. They're in the entryway and Tucson is there and says, have we met? Oh my god! Wow, good for that actor. So Naya's arc is going to end. Naya's arc is going to end with the gentleman that she met at the beginning of the season. Interesting. Uh, So we know that there's an empty seat for Aiden. Like there's always going to be that empty seat for Aiden that Carrie wasn't going to fill. So the question really becomes: I mean, what they're but also I will say in this in the finale, there's a a moments of like Aiden and Carrie in bed together. I feel like, so what we're being presented, I mean, it seems quite obvious, is that, like, Aiden is going to be torn between the fact that, like, he very much has this life in Virginia, and that being in New York is, he's, you know, the situations like this come up, and he's not there, right? And he's racked Mm -hmm. with guilt over that. My question is, like, the kid's 14, and is this, this is the middle kid or the oldest kid? This is, or the youngest kid? Don't ask me. (laughs) The point being, it's like, this is not his end game. Like, he's got four more years with this kid, and this kid's off to college or, or wherever, that, like, this is not a circumstance that is, like, unsolvable. You know what I mean? Like, there's a world in which it's like, he it ha- he's in Virginia for four years, and maybe Carrie's going down there a little bit more to balance it out. But, like, this is not, this is solvable. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that was the whole thing. Carrie was like, I can do this. I can do this commute right. to Howard's End. I guess I'm like, okay, can I say this? Like, well, sure. I just feel like John Corbett's acting in the car was like, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> 
I didn't know what to do. Like, because it's this moment of like, it's such sincerity. It kind of reminded me of like Steve's blow up several episodes ago. And I think I I got on the mic here and was like, I don't think David Eigenberg has the chops. And it's like, and again, I think both of these guys are super talented and I love their performances, Aiden and Steve. It's like, this feels like... Do you know when you're like making pizza dough and you like pull it too far and it's mm-hmm. like, and it breaks? It's mm-hmm. like, I feel like we've stretched the characters too far. I thought that the reaction was too big for what happened. I thought what we yeah. were going to get was he's dying or oh my he God. crashed into the tree on purpose and it was an attempted suicide. Not that, oh, his legs are also Well, broken. we already I got mean, that. bad. Yeah, we got that though with Brady. He... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like he was. Well, he was, <laughs> he was suicidal. Just suicidal. It's not just like he tried. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I'm. I'm curious. Like, are Aiden and Carrie potentially going to break up because of this kid? Yeah, like I don't. I I just don't get. Yeah, if we did, then like I'm annoyed that we wasted all this time on this. Yes, I am too. Especially Honestly. because I felt like there were no obstacles to them getting back together like it just was all like they met up again they fell back in love everything the only was obstacle great, great, was great. that he lives in the country and she lives in the city and they seem to be navigating that just fine exactly um side note i did i love this sort of like and this feels very sjp when brady appears at the start of the episode and Carrie gets so excited to see Brady, similarly to how she reacted to him when he came to the uh, fundraiser in the last episode. I just love this little detail of, like, Carrie loves Brady. Yeah, I don't think she loves Charlotte's kids detail. that much. I, I wouldn't either. Well, no, uh, you don't know this. <laughs> Lily ruined Carrie's marriage. Oh, I saw a tweet about something like, uh, I saw a tweet about Lily answering the phone during Carrie's wedding or something. Yes, so basically... It, just to summarize qu- quickly, and, and I know you got to go, but like uh, uh, Lily, big calls Carrie during her wedding, during their wedding in the first movie because he's getting cold feet and just wants to talk to her so that he can be convinced that like everything's going to be okay. For some reason, the plot is like big just needs to hear from Carrie that like this is they are doing the right thing. And Lily grabs, like, takes the phone and hangs up on Big, and as a result of Big not hearing from Carrie, Big decides to leave her at the altar. So that's why there's, like, lore around Lily being really... That's why everyone's, like, when we saw the Samantha call come in, they're like, this is the craziest thing to happen on a cell phone on this series since Lily and Big. Right. Okay. Well, Lily should write a new song called Hung Up. Uh, Okay. Uh, Before we go, uh, do you really... Really quickly, want to touch down on the the fo- the photoshopped photograph. Well, well, sh- yes, but we have to touch down on the scene for next week. I know, I know that this first. Okay, then that. okay, okay. The photo. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Feels a little strange to be like Beyond. representing someone after their passing. And also, like again, we completed this story last season. He's in Japan. We didn't need to do this. And then for them to show us the photo twice, if you're going to do this insane plot point, at least don't show the photo. The photo felt a step too far. The photo can be a little blurry in the background as we're looking at somebody look at it, you know, from behind. We don't have to see the details. 
between this and then the invite for Andre Rashad's baby shower and then the oh, tit yeah, from Chase fan several episodes ago and then the nude the the cock shot that Carrie got uh-huh. um at Enid it's like this show has the art department on this show should be locked up i'm annoyed that miffy von what's her name <laughs> bitsy bitsy von mufflin isn't at the last supper yeah that's a problem you want to you want to party invite her <laughs> she'll okay, bring the designer samantha phoning. samantha phoning let's get your thoughts on the samantha phone call shot so i wish billy was here right now to tell you all how i reacted because i screamed um you know i have nothing original to say besides the fact that like it's it's the reason for the season the one thing yeah. i will add about it is it's so sad to me that we're not all going to be watching the show together at a designated time mm. next week because I feel like this is a moment that should be all collectively watched together. We are seeing Samantha for the first time in 12 years. It's a big, big event. And the fact that the actors can't post about it because of the strike and the fact that like, I'm sure like I'm going to want to screenshot it right after, but then I'm going to be accused of spoiling. But like how Mm -hmm. long this is going to be one of those like pivotal moments of like, well, we know it's happening. I just don't know how like the fandom is supposed to handle this moment. Mm -hmm. And it worries me. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I'm really looking forward to it because I haven't seen (laughs) Samantha since (laughs) since 1998. Mm. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think, I'm scared about what they're going to do. I mean, I'm hearing all these theories that, like, maybe she's going to announce her cancer's back or something, and they're just going to, like, Oh, my God. No, she's not. I don't know. That's I'm just telling you what I I read online. I I don't know. Um, But, like, is this the permanent end for Samantha, or are we, like, opening the door a little? Who knows? That door better be open. Or she's going to, or she's just calling me, like, hey, thanks for the invite to the dinner. Sorry, I can't make it. I'm I'm in London. Oof. Could you imagine? That'll be brutal. No. Okay, well, we've got to wrap it up. Do you want to give everyone an emoji to post on your meme cap? Is anything coming to mind for you? How about, uh, like, the geisha? Oh, gr- oh great. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, love that. All right, we will be back next week with our recap. Next Friday, we'll be back with the recap of episode 11 of And Just Like That, when all the secrets will be revealed. Mm. Do you think the next episode is Last Supper colon main course dessert but then but then we never got a meal why did we start with appetizer yeah it could be main course it could be entree entree rashad (laughs) goodbye on that note (laughs) thank you so much for listening bye bye